Hey, welcome everyone to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, and I have with me Michael Arndt. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Donovan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you're in, well, and we're virtual here. You're, you're in New York City, I hear. That's right. And Michael has the new book, Snails and Monkey Tales, coming out, I believe, I believe here in a couple weeks. That's right. The pub date is, uh, is slated for March 22nd. And Snails and Monkey Tales is, is a book about, it's a, it's a visual guide. It's all about punctuation and symbols. And, and the Snails and Monkey Tales are, are names for the at symbol. Is that, is that how yeah. I, is that, I mean, that's what I read somewhere in the book. Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, so I lived in Italy for a while back right out, out of college in my 20s. And the computer, that was back when computers were just coming around. And I taught English, actually, which is part of the reason I did the book. Is that's how I got hypersensitized to grammar in English. One of my clients was this CEO of a, a uh, supermarket chain, and he was trying to describe something to me. And he said the little kiochula. I said kiochula. He said, "Yeah, the little snail." I said, "What's that?" He goes, "You know, the little A with the circle around it, the ad symbol." And so that always stuck with me as a curious thing. And then when I delved more, that I I realized that pretty much every other language in the world, except for us has some kind of interesting name for it. I think the Swedes call it a cinnamon bun. In Taiwan, it's a little mouse. In Greek, it's a little duck. In Russian, it's a little dog. In German and Dutch, it's a monkey's tail. So yeah, that's I thought it was a fun name for um, something. And a so, book on punctuation. So how did we get stuck with just the at symbol? Like, it seems like we're getting ripped off here in America. I think I, yeah. <laughs> well, According to, as I read in the book, one of the explanations for it is that it started in commerce. It meant, and it still is used that way. An older generation won't recognize it from the web. They'll recognize it as, I don't know, three barrels of, um, or of you know, three barrels of wine at two hundred dollars a piece. You know, uh, it's a business thing, and the, they believe that A was Latin for ad, um, A A D abbreviation, and we're very commerce-oriented society. So maybe we just sort of took it very seriously and said, this is a business symbol, stay serious. I'm not sure. So if, but, but, but then on the other hand, I guess, if I'm uh, giving my email address out to somebody like in Italy, do I have to say like, you know, it's Donovan Snails 1119.com or do I, you know, do, do the, or do yeah, they still, they, they, would say Don, they would say Donovan Kiochula, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so all email addresses just have snails or monkey tails in them. Uh, pretty much, I'm sure they have a lot of the um, a lot of the European languages. Also, we'll call it the like in Italian. I think they can also call it the A commerciale, the the commercial A, the business A. So, um, yeah, if you want to be a little more um, sober and serious, you can call it that. All right. Well, I, I will say this, this book is fantastic. I, I did read, I, I read this thing over the last few days and, and it's a, it's a, it's a quick read. I mean, it's, it's, it's what about a nine inch by nine inch book. And, six and, and a half actually. Very oh, six and, okay. Six and a half inch book. My, my, my depth perception is off obviously <laughs> or something. And of course it's, it's beautifully designed. It not only tells you all of the different, I guess, names for punctuations, but a little bit of the history for them and so forth. And, and then shows, and then also talks about well, like the ad symbol, all of the different types of uses that, that go about. So it's one of these things where I think you read it, you have fun, but then I'll probably keep this on my show for quite a while to, 
to reference back to to say like now now what's the difference between a mid dot and a, and a and, you know a period and so forth exactly and that makes me happy to read that 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 was exactly the the goal originally i had it subtitled a primer and i really did want it to be a primer i wanted it to be a, a quick overview um, a lot of grammar books and punctuation are kind of off-putting, pedantic, heavy, text-heavy, dry, and I didn't want that. I want something fun, graphic, easy, and something that would appeal to to this generation in particular. Something that's kind of infographic, visual, very few um, words per page, um, so that people don't get reading fatigue. I personally don't like to read a lot of text. I'm, I like to look at pictures. I'm simple that way, and so I actually design this book in reverse. I designed the spreads almost each one almost like an infographic that could be displayed as a poster in a school or just read on its own. And then I wrote the copy to support it afterwards. I kind of like the way um, copywriters write for ad agencies. So my editor was a little surprised at that. She's like, well, can you send me the manuscript in Word? I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't. I don't, have it. I don't have it yet. I have the layouts. And um, and I have to sort of because because it is so tightly and graphically and style, uh, designed and stylized, you can see like I, I inscribed the text usually in a circle, and so I'm very conscious of the word count. And so I was actually writing within InDesign, and when I ran out of words, I ran out of words, or if I had too many, I would edit the words to fit the layout. So I'm very visually um, driven, and so all the drafts that my editor got were already in InDesign. Yeah, and I would think yeah. for a book like this, it works perfect. But I would guess for most for most writing books, that is probably not the ideal uh, plan. If anybody's out there writing a book, it's probably not what what you would recommend outside of something like this. No, no, it's not. But as you you having seen the book, you can see how the the text is just as much a part of the image and the layout as anything else. You know, I use typography and letter forms as as visuals as illustrations. So you can't really separate the text from the from the visuals. It it wouldn't make much sense as just an HTML document of text running without any arrows or references or um, type superimposed of over symbols. It kind of has to be designed in tandem within the layout. What was what was the idea between all of the punctuation and the symbols? Did you have a list of ones you had to cover, or did you did you have to research? Was there any one that even you who've been Obviously, this is something that you're, you know, you, you have an interest in where you're like, I've never even heard of this symbol before you started researching other ones. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. So sure, I, um, I knew I wanted to do punctuation. I wasn't clear on what punctuation exactly was, and I'll, I'll clarify that. So in English, we have 14 standard punctuation symbols. Don't ask me to name them all, but basically period, comma, exclamation point, question mark the three dashes, the hyphen, the, the two dashes, the, the three brackets, squares, curly and, and round, colon, semicolon, comma, apostrophe. I think those are all of them. And then other things like the asterisk is not considered a punctuation symbol. Neither is the ampersand. They each have their own little sort of subcategories of how they're considered. So that's why I, I want to make sure in the subtitle I specified it's punctuation and symbols. So there's probably, 25 little typographic marks covered in the book, 14 of which are actual punctuation um, marks. Punctuation marks I did know. I sort of knew in the back of my mind that a paragraph was, a symbol was technically called a pilcro, but that was interesting to research. 
the section symbol that you don't see much except for in footnotes and illegal documents with double S, very pretty symbol with the two S's. That's called a silkro. Now, I'm not sure if they were playing off of Pilcro and decided let's make a sort of a, a parallel sounding game. So some of the names were interesting. And then when I got into the asterisks, as I went further down the rabbit hole, I saw that three asterisks in a row is called an dinkus, which was I thought was funny. So I you got you got to have a dinkus somewhere, right? Exactly. And then if I put them, if you put them in a triangle, it's even more rare. It's an asterism, and I believe that one comes from astrology because in fact asterisk does mean little star in Greek asteriskos. Um, and if you think of astronaut or flower, the aster or an asteroid, it becomes very clear that aster means star. Yeah, and it, it also is fun because when reading through you 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 know even even with with a little amount of copy you mentioned on, on a number of these like when when these were created and so i would assume punctuation marks or symbols that were created 700 years ago and only used for some of them were used for like a decade doesn't really have the best uh research abilities it's it's not like it's not like these are these things happened or were created so long ago that i don't even know where you'd go about finding this information if I didn't already have the book that was done. Yeah, it was tough. And the further I got into it, the more, you know, just like any subject, you think, oh, great, I learned what it is, done. And then you learn a bit more and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I know nothing about the subject. And I did have to go back with my head, uh, my tail between my legs to my editor a couple of times, even during the proofreading round and said, you know what? I delved further into it three o'clock last night and I found out that the story we're telling is a little oversimplified. Um, I have you know, explain it a little better because it's a little misleading without leaving out this information. One example is the, the M dash. So a lot of people don't know what an M dash is, much less how to use it. Or if they do, they don't know what's called. And if they do know what's called, they're quick to raise their hand and say, oh, 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 it's the width of a letter M. That's an M dash. And they're proud to say, I know what an M dash is. And I was proud when I um, presented the layout to my editor. I was like, an M dash is the width of an M. The letter M and the N dash is the width of the letter N. Well, that's true, but it's not true. Because think about it, if you have a, a very condensed typeface, you know, super like a, a universe 47, let's say, um, that's going to be a very narrow M dash. And you're going to, by the time you get down to a hyphen, you're going to have just a dot. So your N dash is, and then M dash is going to be longer than that. So it's that's not really true. It's width of an M. And N is a typographic unit for those who don't know. And it's always equal to the point size of the type you're using. So in 72 point, an N is a unit of measurement equal to 72 points. In 12 point, it's 12 points. It always corresponds. It's It can be a width or a height. Point sizes, as you may know, go from the top of the A center to the D center. A capital M doesn't always go down. It goes to the baseline, but it doesn't go to the D center. So it's not the height of an M. But an M is, in a classic typeface, it's pretty square. It's a kind of a monumental, chunky square classically designed letter form. So it, at the time when typefaces first started, like if you look at Janssen, Janssen's M really is the length of the M dash. And so so were most of the typefaces at the time, more, so most Renaissance typefaces based on classical humanistic proportions. Once we get into the 20th century, we have all sorts of ad typefaces that are italic, script, condensed, extended, bold, it all goes out the window and it may or may not correspond to the width of an M. So the M refers to the M space, which originally was the width of an M, but not necessarily anymore. 
And an N is always the half of an M space. So again, it may or may not correspond to the width of an N. I, I guess it depends on yeah if, if type designers are following the traditional way or I guess more experimental right. ones are going to be a little bit a little bit off. Yeah, and, someone and asked about it on Twitter the other day because it was National Punctuation Day on the fourth, and I did a quick little chart which I hadn't done when I did the book, and it was pretty remarkable the range of M dashes from typeface. Some were much shorter than the M, some were much longer, and some were right on. It's funny too because. He would have asked me like do you ever talk about punctuation or, or you know symbols <laughs> and and as as a designer you probably do more than you think but as an undesigner even then i think i think it was just last week my daughter and i were talking and we're talking about you know lbs or whatever you know pounds and it's like where does lb come from you know and and i'm like i'll have to look it up sometime and literally a week later i'm, I'm looking through your book and you have the explanation how pound means LB and it all comes from, is it Libra Pondo? Exactly, yep. So that to me is the most fascinating of all. That's my my uh, cocktail party um, discussion. <laughs> if someone has 10 minutes, because it is long. And when we were doing the book, again, my editor said, do we really need four spreads for this? I said, yes, we really need four spreads for this. It's a, a kind of a convoluted history, but fascinating. And it's actually what started the book. I was telling somebody this story and he said, you know, that would make a great book. That's fascinating. I would love to know. I like typography. I just sort of happen to like that. I'm not a designer, but I, I, I just like it. And we don't know much about, enough about punctuation. And who knew? So um, that's what started the book. Would you like to hear the story or do we not have time? I would, I would love to. Well, right after this quick break, we'll be right back with Michael Arndt. All right, Michael. So not only not only do you have how Libra Pondo somehow became pound, but you even have how it becomes the pound symbol. Exactly. So Libra in Latin means a scale or a balance. Um, if you think of an old European fruit market where they'll weigh your oranges and your grapes, or the scales of justice, the one you know with the two balances and that they're hanging from chains. And Pondo is the not to get too grammatical, it's the past participle of pin today, which means to hang. So if you think of a pendulum with that on a clock that hangs and swings, same thing with the scale. It hangs, and that's how you weigh it by, by hanging two, two things. So the Libra part is the scale, the Pondo part is the weight. So weight by scale became a unit of measurement, not only a weight, but then a value. I believe a Libra Pondo was the pound of silver, the weight in silver. And then going to the market, they would say, your oranges today cost you a, a tenth of a libra. Um, and then they had coins for all that. So it then became a, uh, and if you think of the libra, the astrological sign, the constellation, it is sure. the shape of a balance. And all the attributes given to people born under the sign of libra are um, justice and, and balance and, and um, equilibrium, et cetera, et cetera. So, since it was a commercial unit of weight, and it was also a currency. So the the British pound, do you ever wonder why the British pound is abbreviated as an L as well? Yeah. Well, L and the pound have nothing to do with it. It comes from Libra. So the Libra with the, the line through it was an abbreviation that became the, the pound symbol for the British pound. Similarly, in Italian, the lira, which is no longer used, had two lines through it. And that also comes from Libra. Also, <laughs> In Spanish, the peso, the peso, 
comes from Pondo. It's an it's kind of the Spanish uh, past participle of of to hang. So all these units of of currency and measurement come from Libra Pondo. So LB was a natural abbreviation for that, and that's how that's why that is still our abbreviation for pound. Even though in English it's P. So we took the P for pound and the pound from Pondo to create the English word, but we cho chose the Latin um, L for a lot of the currencies. So now you have the LB. And if you remember the lira and the and the sterling all have the line through it. Well, originally that was a common way to do abbreviations to put a, a horizontal line through, through something. And was that so that when they, and everything was obviously back then just written by hand, right? It wasn't exactly, wasn't, yeah. So, so was that because you didn't have like a typeface that was slightly different for the L that if you put a line- You didn't have a typeface at all. This is, we're talking about the monks right. scribing things. But so, I mean, on the scribe, um, was that so they knew immediately that it was a symbol of some sort? Exactly. Was the that was an abbreviation. Yeah. yeah. Because they didn't quite invent the idea of the period yet as an abbreviation. So so it wouldn't be confused as just two random letters. They put a line through it to connect it, creating a little symbol that said LB is, is shorthand for, for pound. So in writing repeatedly, and you kind of have to see the book to, to understand how this happens, the two vertical strokes of the L and the B, the bottom of the bowl of the B, would come and swish around and finish with a horizontal line over the top. And that became the two horizontal lines that now is our pound symbol. And that is why the, the little grid, the little what we now call a hash symbol, is also called the pound symbol on the phone or if you're um, looking at a, a telephone keyboard. Yeah, the telephone keyboard. And it's also the number sign because, again, it, it refers to unit measurement. So it's all related. And and I know a lot of these punctuation, if, if people aren't familiar with them, a lot of it is because the keyboard and, and you know, once we move to typewriters, there's only so many keys they want to put on it. It'd be weird to have 26 letters, then 26 punctuation mark keys, I assume. And Correct. but there are obviously there are keyboard shortcuts for all of these. And you have a very hand. I mean, and the, the book alone, just for just for having the back sheet that explains how to type these things on a keyboard, both on a Mac and a PC is probably invaluable. Because every time I'm working on a project, I always forget sometimes, I know a lot of them obviously know how to type an N dash and M dash, things like that. But I'll forget like, oh, how do I do a mid dot? And I always have to do a Google search. So now I just have a handy reference as long as I can find your book and my, my daughter doesn't steal it because she's already got dibs on it for at least the next couple of weeks. Oh, that's wonderful. She's my target audience. Um, well, so that's great. Yeah, so even even nine-year-olds, this book is designed, they, they think it's great looking. She's very excited about it. So. Yeah, so one of my so I do, you know, I do like grammar, I do like language, I do like design, I do like typography. It all comes down to, to me. I mean, graphic designers, we 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 design words at the end of the day, right? Whether it's the typeface or the, the text block or the communication of the poster or the book. Um, so to me, it makes sense that someone who likes design and typography will also like words and punctuation. And it does frustrate me and kind of kind of worry me, but you know, language is fluid, it does evolve, um, punctuation surely has, that there's such a, it's called a blatant disregard for punctuation in the younger generation, <laughs> that periods are now sort of taboo, it, it's, seen, it's seen as rude, but somehow 20 exclamation points is not seen as yelling and rude. So I find that all very interesting and curious intellectually, but as someone who grew up with, you know, more traditional, Punctuation, well, traditional. What's traditional? Traditional for my time. It saddens me to see that punctuation go to the, to the wayside because I do think it's valuable. It does help clarify communication. And 
and it's interesting and it's pretty and it, there's a there, there's a history to it. So I really do want to reach as younger generation with this book as possible. That said, it is also besides being a primer, it is also as you said there are pretty intricate details in here, whether it's trivia and history or technical on how to type the actual character. So my editor, when she acquired the book, said, um, as part of her pitch, there's at least 20 professionals, I'll send this to other editors and writers. Um, she said, I learned so much working on this book, as, as did I, of course. But I, that was um, gratifying to hear my editor say that. Well, I will say you did a great job of both making punctuation and symbols look fun and entertaining, both visually, but also giving the knowledge. So I think you did that well. The book is Snails and Monkey Tales by Michael Arndt, a visual guide to punctuation and symbols. And where, where do people go go to find more about the book or to buy a copy of it? I assume, I mean, it's it's by an imprint of HarperCollins, so I assume this will be in Barnes and Nobles or if you can find a bookstore, but I assume there's online, Amazon, everywhere. Absolutely. So support your local independent bookstores. And if you can't do that or, or, or choose not to, there's all the online vendors who will have it, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, bookshop.org, indiebound.org, um, but you could um, alternatives um, that help support local book um, booksellers. Basically where books are sold. And also always from the actual publishers as, as well. If you go to their site, HarperCollins, and just um, Google my, the page for the book will come up and they have a list of maybe eight different vendors that you can click on, including the big giants and also uh, independent um, consolidators. Okay, well, we're going to be right back with Michael Arndt. Hey, welcome back. Michael, I've, I've just got a couple other questions for you before you take off that just for our listeners. What, what's, the, uh, what's the best advice you've ever gotten or that you wish you would have heard earlier in, in, the, design, in the design world? I can tell you the most recent, but it's more with, so my, my career, I spent 20 years doing package design for, for fragrance cosmetics. Now I do pharmaceutical um, um, bottom material. So when I got into the children's book world and, and just publishing in general, this is an adult book, by the way, a friend who's a, a very well-known uh, successful children's book author said, don't rest on your laurels. As soon as your book comes out, go see it at Barnes & Noble, take a picture, go home and start working on your next book. Just keep working, keep working, keep working. Like you never know what's going to be a success. You never know what's going to be a failure. Just keep creating. And so I have a lot of downtime between freelance projects and, and book projects, kind of erratic schedule, like a lot of creative. And so I basically design something every day, whether it's a project or not. Usually it's not. Usually it's something on, on my own that I just want to explore as an interest. And so I guess that would be my design, my own design advice is always be creating what you're interested in because if you're interested in it someone else may be and that's really how all my books came about they were just an interest of mine that i started sketching and i showed it to someone who liked it and took it someplace what's your now that you look back out of all the books you've written which is the one where you you go back to the most out of your own or, or do you just just throw them on a shelf and act like they never happened no well like a lot of designers whatever i'm working on currently or have just finished is my is the one I'm most into and the most. Um, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm really liking this book. I'm all, this is also the most ambitious project I've done. It's 160 pages. It was a lot of research, um, painstaking research because we're dealing with punctuation and grammar and very and, and typography at the most minute detail. Yeah, you can't, so you can't mess. You can't have you can't have punctuation mess ups in this book. Like people, no. 
you get the no. footnotes wrong, people are on you. Yeah, and even the kerning, like how much space you put between the punctuation and, and, the, and the next thing, um, the next character. So I, I, I was so absorbed. This, took, this was a, a three-year project. And when I say three years, I mean working till four in the morning, redoing, redoing, redesigning, researching some more. So this is the one I go back to the most because it's fresh and it's, it's so rich in detail. And also a lot of my books are children's books. So um, simple as we know is not easy, but there isn't as much content there. You know, you can read my children's book and um, most of them in like two and a half minutes. There are very few words. They're, and especially because they're early concept books, they're for toddlers and babies. So it's almost entirely image. Yeah, and, and I've obviously, having a, having a young kid, all of a sudden it's like I'm, I've read children's books over the last few years where, you know, before that I kind of didn't. And, and I also realized, I'm like, yeah, there's not a lot here. Like where the wild things are, which is considered one of the great books ever. I mean, there's what, like 200 words in the, in the yeah. entire book. Yeah. And that is something that's, a, a tr again, it's a trend. It's a sign of our times. People have shorter attention spans. We're in the age of Twitter of 288 characters. People don't have time for, for periods and texts or to write the entire word, your, much less put an apostrophe in there. So everyone has, has shorter attention spans. So children's books are no exception. Uh, if you look at children's books from the 50s, 60s, 70s, there are quite a few number of words in there. Now there's a lot of white space and maybe one or two lines, three tops per page. And some pages won't have words at all, or some will be wordless picture books. And that's a trend that a lot of people have noticed within the industry and out of the industries, how few words there are in current day picture books. I would also say there's, it feels like there's fewer books too, but, but maybe there's not. I mean, I mean, it just feels that everything's kind of gone online. So it's, it was fun for me to also see like a current design book. I know, I know they still, they still come out, but when, when it's going to hit like Barnes and Noble, it's, it was, it was, it's refreshing. Right. Thank you. So as I mentioned earlier, my background is in package design and cosmetics specifically. And as you know, that is all about the, the image that you project. It's all fantasy with cosmetics and, and perfume. Um, and so the physicality of the package, of the bottle, of the, the cardboard, the feel, the, the glint, the three-dimensionality, that's all really important. And I brought, I bring all that to my book design. I, I, I really do love books. I don't think they'll ever go out of style. I think what's gonna happen is the purely perfunctory communication. Yes, we don't need to print chop down trees and print a newspaper and, and, and have it thrown on our doorstep every morning. We can just log in with our cup of coffee. But a book that's a physical artifact, that's got something beautiful that you can't feel or touch online, those things will always be objects that people will want to hold and savor and maybe pass on to their, their kids. I consider them artifacts. I consider them objects of art. When we're just trying to decide the, the cover treatment, the case treatment for the book, I really wanted to get a debossed cover. And we had the budget for gloss varnish, which is always nice, gloss and matte varnish. And I really pushed for the debossing because I said, you know what, this is, I really want to bring this punctuation to life. I've already made it big and bold and, and kind of flamboyant um, shapes. But I, you know, it's, when you hold it, it's such a beautiful, pleasant thing to feel. And I, I find myself holding this book more than I, I do even read it. So it was it was money well spent. And I think I think that's why books will never go out of style because if there's a 
there's a physicality to them, if, if they're objects of art, then people would just want to have them really see. Um, our, our listeners can't see it, but I see your shelves with all your um, with all your action figures. Um, oh yeah, I've, like got, I've got stuff everywhere in the office here. So, but I, I always tell people you you, you want to stay creative, and sometimes that's the inspiration you need. You you want to see stuff, touch stuff, be with stuff. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just human nature. We're kind of I'm a minimalist. I'm a okay. So I'm more of a a bulimic minimalist than an anorexic minimalist. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> I binge and purge because I love stuff, but I don't like having it around. So I'll buy it and then I'll donate it or I'll give it away. Or um, again, I've gotten better to resist the urge to even buy it in the first place. But people like stuff that we like. We're physical creatures in a physical world. So um, physical books are a part of that. Michael, we, we really appreciate your time. And where do people go to follow you? Either Twitter, Instagram, website, like like where where, where, where do you like to be followed if, if people want to learn out more about yourself and your design? I like Instagram the best. So that's the best place for the time being to follow me. It's Michael Arndt Books, all lowercase, all strung together. And Arndt is A-R-N-D-T. Correct, the D is silent. And yeah, I pretty much post one image a day on there, something I'm designing and working on. Lately, I've, I've really been amping up my minimal illustrations. I've been doing characters, real life personalities. Uh, for Black History Month, I did a figure uh, a day to commemorate um, their role in Black history. Um, and that had quite a following and interest. I've been doing um, vintage TV show characters, minimally produced. So the Mary Tyler Moore Show, the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, I Dream of Jeannie. So that's the best place to see sort of a cross-section of my work as it's happening, because I basically post every day. I'm not a fan of Twitter. I think it's where careers go to die. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one slip of the time at three in the morning and, and, and you're toast. And it's just, it seems like an angry platform. Instagram seems like a place for people who just like visual things and without the drama. And my Facebook, I do have a professional Facebook page, also my blog books. Um, and Pinterest. Pinterest, I have a, quite a few number of inspiring boards. So, any of those four. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, Donovan. It's been great. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab. But yes, lots of footnotes. That's where I kind of really learned about footnotes in the right order. Uh, <laughs> section symbols and, and double parallel bars when you have like you know, 17 footnotes. And we had never gotten to the point where we had to repeat them, but my editor actually said, what happens when you run out of footnotes? I said, that's a good question. She goes, well, I have the answer for you. You double them. You start from scratch to do double asterisk, double dagger, double double dot dagger, et cetera, et cetera. And once you get to the tripling of them, then she's like, you might as well just um, quit the project because you're going to go mad. Exactly. Yeah.